know the love of Christ, Ephesians 3.19. To know the love of Christ that surpasseth knowledge is one of the things that the Apostle Paul prays for for the Christians in Ephesus. It's something that we should strive for as well. That is why this podcast is called To Know the Love of Christ. Each episode, we will study scripture in its context, but also dive deep to find the love of Christ, a love so fervent, so honest, and so faithful that it's the very essence of his being. We invite you to know the love of Christ. Welcome back to To Know the Love of Christ. We're so glad that you've joined us again today as we start another discussion about Ephesians. And today we will be wrapping up chapter 5. If you were with us last time, you remember that we discussed the first part of chapter 5 about being imitators of God and what a fleshly inheritance looks like compared to an eternal inheritance. We also talked about being filled with the Spirit instead of being filled with wine and how the Spirit can be intoxicating instead of wine. And we also talked about, briefly, we discussed submitting to one another in Christ. Today, Brittany will be leading our discussion. So, Brittany, take it away. All right. Thank you, Stephanie. And before we lead off, we have to say that we do have a special guest with us today. Today, we have Jessica Anderson with us. Everybody say hi, Jess. Hey, Jess. Hi, Jess. Hi, Jess. <laughs> Jess, you want to say hi? Hello, and thank you for having me. Yes, we're excited to have Jessica. We love her. <laughs> So my first question to you ladies, well, do you all want to read it or do you want to? Yeah, let's read it. Yeah, let's read it. Let's read it. Okay. All right. Who wants to read? I'll read. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Jess. You want me to read the whole thing? Yep. Just 22 through 33. That'll work. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore... Just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church." Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, thank you, Jess. So throughout um, 22 through 33, we can see clearly that um, this is dealing with submission. So my first question for you all is, why has submission gotten such a bad name? And why do some individuals believe the Bible treats women poorly because we are told to submit? Jess, you want to start us off? Sure, I can. I think that in the current culture and society that we are in, that sometimes submission is looked as a sign of weakness rather than a sign of 
of power or, um, you know, giving submission is really just making a choice to give authority to someone else or yield authority. It's not necessarily giving up of something. But -hmm. I think in our culture, there is become an idea that that is a negative thing rather than, you know, a positive thing or, or different ways to look at it. Um, I think there are definitely unhealthy views and experiences around submission that may have formed some of those ideas. But um, when we're talking about, you know, submission to Christ or submission to our husbands, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Good. I like that. What about you, Stephanie? Uh, Like Jess said, I think it's something that the culture has taken and twisted into it was meant to be beautiful and it's definitely functional when done the right way, the way that God's prescribed it. And they've kind of turned it into something ugly. I think people look at men who have done things wrong in the past, because normally when we're talking about submission, we're not talking about men submitting to women and they look at the abuse of a principle, but we know that the abuse of a principle doesn't nullify its validity. Just because you do something wrong, doesn't make the, what should have been done wrong. Um, And without getting on a soapbox rant, I want to point out that our current culture with feminism has kind of completely flipped that, where now men are seen as lesser and they aren't as good as women. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of sad. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of hard to look at it and feel like Rissa's, my daughter's going to be okay. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I worry for her somewhat over that. Just in the last decade, things have taken a really big turn. Um, but if you look at submission, going back to the original term, it just means to arrange under. It doesn't mean domineering or abuse or slavery slavery or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It just means, like Jess said, to yield the authority. And we know that God gives the authority, but we allow it. We have to step aside and let someone lead us. It can't happen without us allowing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. D? Um, just what they said. I mean, men and women are perfectly made for each other, you know, emotionally, sexually, intellectually, and physically. I mean, we're just a perfect complement to each other. Mm-hmm. So society has us believing that, you know, we, we're inferior and we need to fight for that right to be equal or better than, and, you know, just what they were saying. I know. It takes me back to, like, Rosie the Riveter, like where we saw that change in – you know, women can do all. And I mean, the job that I'm in right now is a perfect example. It's in an industry that's mostly male driven. I'm the first female to ever have the position that I'm in. It's always been men before me. And so there is a thought and a, an idea that there is an equality between mm-hmm. men and women in the workforce mm-hmm. and culture and society. And that's not how the Bible was, you know, that's not how things were set up. You know, there right. there is a difference. There are roles and responsibilities that differ between men and women but I think that we're seeing a change in our society so it it is it's separate and apart you Mm -hmm. know yeah Yeah. agreed I think all of you all handled that very well I don't have much to add to that I had a lot of the same uh, thoughts that you all had you know Um, I think another big part of it is um, submission, you you don't have the humility that Jesus has desired for us to have, you know? So I think about that. And I also think, too, you know, 
Some men do not lead like they should, and so the wife may feel compelled to lead rather than to submit to her husband. Or if the husband isn't a Christian, um, she may think that she doesn't have to submit to his leadership. So, yeah, I had a lot of the same thoughts that you all had. And, and I think, you know, throughout the Bible, there are many aspects of life where we are um, told to submit. You think about Christians in the government in Romans 13, 1 through 1 and verse 5. We're told to submit to God in James 4, 7. Um, Jesus, we even see Jesus submitting to God. You could see that in 1 Corinthians 15, 27 through 28. Um, Jesus to his parents, Luke two fifty one. So, you know, and uh, Stephanie mentioned something about about Carissa, but you know, it's the same thing with parents and their kids. You know, we want our kids to submit to us, and it's not us bullying our kids or being mean to our kids. No, we want our kids to submit because obviously, as the adult, we know more than they do right now because of the stage of the stage of life that they're in, and then obviously, we're more seasoned. But also you want them to submit because obviously you feel as if what you're telling them is good for them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we're not having them submit because we're big bag mommy and daddy. No, I want you to submit and I want you to obey and do what I say because I love you. And ultimately, I'm telling you what is right or at least what I believe to be right, you know, so that you can grow accordingly. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, you know, let's remember to keep all this in context like you you kind of jumping ahead a little but like Paul just finished talking about the different walks walk in unity walk in love walk in light walk in wisdom so he's about to give us examples um to help uh, help us apply what he's saying and the first example he gives is between a husband and wife you know right. and because of the immediate relationship that we just studied in in verse two you know, to be submissive is not a bad thing. Actually, being not being submissive is. You know, it start off in Genesis three sixteen. It tells us that the husband shall rule over the wife because Adam submitted to Eve. You know, she led him into sin, and the consequences of that sin are still felt today. Um, Eve was created to be his helper in life. You know, a partner. She messed up and messed up so badly that she was put into submission to her husband. Not slavery, but submission. So he would now lead their marriage and their household. So women are to submit to their husbands out of respect for them. Well, and I think it all goes back to choices, right? It's our choice Mm -hmm. to be a Christian. It's our choice to obey what the Bible says. It's our choice to walk a godly life. It's our choice to submit to our husbands as to the Lord. And when we look at, you know, verse 22 and 23, I had a little note in here. You know, it's a choice to give authority willingly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not it's not going to happen unless we allow it and we set right. ourselves and our relationships up accordingly. And then I had a little note in 23 too. You know, it's basically a, sim- a simile to give us an example for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. Mm-hmm. So husbands have to be leaders and a good example for this to even be true. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because... If they're not, this the twenty three doesn't even make any sense. Right, right. Good stuff, you guys. All right. Um, so, what are some examples uh, wives can portray when submitting to their husbands? Like, what what examples can we set and show for others when we show that we submit to our husbands? D. Well, 
one thing to note is that the Bible doesn't say to submit only to faithful husbands. Because I'm married to an unfaithful Christian husband. I I am still expected to submit to him as the leader of our marriage, our household. Um, Yeah, we're partners in life, but he leads us. Um, You know, I have trust and faith in his promise to love and care for me. So now, but if he were to lead me into sin, it is ultimately my obligation as a faithful follower of Christ to resist that, right? Acts 529 to obey God rather than men. Um, and I'm not going to lie. It's been hard, 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 hard at times. But submission, my submission will prayerfully fulfill First Peter 3, 1 through 6. Um, so it is not exactly an example, but it's, you know, just my experience. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're all in different walks of life, so submission's going to look a little differently at different stages of our marriage, I think. You know, when I first got married, how I submit now looks differently from that, and especially when you throw parenting into the mix. But I think, ultimately, when we submit, we show the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I did it without singing the song. Oh, yeah. Look at you. <laughs> um, but we, just, we display that meek and gentle spirit that was talked about in First Peter 3. And we show humility, like Jess mentioned earlier. We show strength and self-discipline. But ultimately, we display Christ's love because we imitate him, like it talks about in the first verse of this chapter, where it says to be imitators of God. We imitate Christ's pers- perfect submission to the Father. And as a side note on that, we were talking about how people view submission in the world, it's seen that if you're submissive, you're not equal. You are inferior, you're lesser. But when Jesus submitted to God, he was no less equal. True. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. so I took yes. more like concrete examples out of it. <laughs> which, <laughs> which you guys had great stuff to say. But, um, you know, when I think of it, and what does it look like in my house, right? What, what does it look like on a day-to-day perspective? And so I think, you know, submitting in our relationship is just submitting to give time to discuss things to and that might be finances it could be our time you know and scheduling um you were a busy family and so you know that's not creating plans or making decisions without and it's not even seeking approval it's just yielding to others opinions and mm-hmm. schedules and priorities and, opinions. and right mm-hmm. exactly and so i mean that could like I said, be finances, could be opinions about what we're doing with our kids, scheduling, big changes with our jobs, you know, responsibilities or roles that we're willing to take on with the church. All of those things are, you know, a discussion and ultimately a decision that I have my husband's back, you know, and and if it's a decision that comes out poorly, we're still in it together. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no like, well, I told you so. Like, no, we may, you know, I yielded and allowed, you know, we discussed it. We made a decision and we went with it. And whatever happens, we've, we've got each other in that. Yeah. 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 Um, I thought about it as far as uh, something that we can portray is how we view the Lord. Um, so, we submit to our husbands in the same way we submit to the Lord, right? So like verse um, 23 says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So a wife's treatment of her husband, I think says a lot about how she views the Lord. Submitting to our spouses shows shows how much we respect 
respect God because it's his commandment. Um, and if I don't submit, then I'm ultimately saying to God, forget what you said. I'm going to do things my way. You yeah. know, I, I don't, yeah. I don't care what you say. I'm, I'm going to handle it how I see fit. God created the woman to be a helpmeet to her husband, right? Like Genesis, um, like Dee said earlier, Genesis two eighteen, and it's not our job to fix him or try and mold him into what we think he should be like. Just like God gives us commandments, and sometimes those commandments aren't always the easiest to follow. But as much as that may be true, we don't try and find loopholes that will fit our lifestyle or liking. You know, we've talked before about cherry picking certain verses like. I want some of the Bible, not all of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Well, you, that's the same situation in marriage. I want some parts of you, but not all of you. You can't do that. Like, if I married my husband, I accept him in every way that he is, flaws and all. How do we How do we submit to Christ? What does that look like? How do we submit to him? Well, if the church is the bride of Christ, which it says so in John three twenty two and following, and all throughout the book of Revelation, she submits to him, not the other way around. You know, Christ is that perfect husband who leads us away from sin. So being submissive is a beautiful thing. It's not slavery. It's just complete trust and faith in Jesus's promise to love and care for me. Like Matthew eleven twenty nine and John fourteen fifteen through 18. Um, you know, just as a, a, a little golden nugget did you a, a word study on the word husband is actually f from house band so the husband keeps the house together he bands it together isn't that neat, that is neat. i did not know that yeah yeah um one thought i had was that i cannot wholly submit to god or to christ without submitting to my husband it's just not possible um, and I also had John fourteen fifteen D. Oh, Y'all are just stealing everything First today. Dealer. It's okay though. Um, <laughs> you're my friends if you do what I command you. Also over in John fifteen fourteen, but it doesn't mean that we never question anything. But the attitude that we approach those questions with is very important. Mm -hmm. Just like when I question things that my husband says, you know, am I approaching it like, why are you doing it that way, or like? please help me understand why mm -hmm. it's like this. Mm -hmm. And when you do that respectfully, that's fine, but we just have to watch that. Um, but with God, you know, and sometimes with our husbands, the answer is because I said so. <laughs> you know, I do that with my kids sometimes because mm -hmm. I said so. And God in his infinite wisdom does not owe me any explanation. He has given me quite a bit in his word mm -hmm. um, that, you know, helps me live my life. But Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord. And some of those things, you know, it may not make sense to me, but that's part of submission. And I think some people in the church don't quite understand it in the sense that they think submission means I always agree with the answer that's given. And that's not true. Right. Submission is very hard and it requires a lot of strength. But I think it's it's best displayed when you disagree. Like, I don't agree with you, but I'm going to go with this because you lead mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. and I choose to do so. Like Jess said, it's a choice. Yeah, we have a standing joke in our house. I don't know if it's even appropriate <laughs> to share, but like we agree to disagree all the time. Like that's yeah. how it ends. We agree to disagree 
and I'll still move forward with what you're saying, but we've established that we agree agree to disagree, and I will always love you. But I don't have to like you right now. <laughs> but I'm going to always love you. Respectfully don't yes. like you right now. Yeah. And we say that jokingly and in jest. But, you know, another thing that comes to mind as we discuss this, too, is submission in a marriage for a newly married young couple that's totally new that mm-hmm. how do you teach that right like, yeah. like I have a daughter you have a daughter like how do we teach that to our children well it's it's difficult right mm-hmm. and so it it makes me think of I had Titus 2 um, verses 4 and 5 where it talks about the older women you know admonishing the younger women and I've always felt super grateful to have a mother-in-law that my husband and his dad are clones right and so <laughs> She had, you know, has always come to me throughout the years, especially when we were newly married. And she'd say, I know this. I know certain things are difficult. I've been there. I've done that, you know, but this makes you guys so much stronger together. And she would just kind of guide me and, and offer little words of wisdom or encouragement. And I think that's important when we think about newly married couples or new Christians. It takes time to figure it out, mm-hmm. you know, and we're not going to learn it quickly. And it's going to take you know, buffing out the rusty spots to make it happen. But for someone who's been married for a few years or whatever, like when you see those struggles in other people, you know, just lifting them up and encouraging them to, so they know they're, this is not new. Other people have done it too and, mm-hmm. and it's okay and you'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I simply put Colossians 317 and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Give him all of who you are wholeheartedly. Allow his light to shine through you and show him that you are his person. There's nothing Jesus cannot ask of you that you should not be willing to do. Um, so that's my answer. Good. I think y'all have to just, <laughs> just not much to add on that. I do like the point that Jess made and bringing up Titus about the older women teaching the younger women, you know, because that is something to think about. You know, I don't I don't think I've ever really like when studying this, I ask these questions and different things like that. But Jess just really kind of made me think of a point like, huh, is I mean, I know me and Harm are good in our marriage. We're We're happy and content in our marriage and where we are in our stage of life. But is our marriage being modeled correctly? Like, are we setting the correct example? You know, because every, everybody is different. Everybody has a little quirks. But I guess at the end of the day, the answer to that would be yes, as long as you're modeling the example that Christ has left for us. So. And I think also paired with Titus 2, this points back to God's model for the home. I mean, that's how young couples yeah. should. You come at it individually, and yeah, you have to learn each other in all different kinds of ways. But I mean, if you are in a biblically modeled home, you should see that. You know, and when your parent doesn't fulfill that, you're going to see them make it right because they're a Christian and they want to do what's right. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's look at verses 25 through 29. And we've already read it, so we're not going to read it again. Um, Why does Paul make mention of husbands loving their wives just as Christ did with the church and sacrificing himself for the church? I think he's really just, he's explaining it and being very clear and providing clarity in what the responsibility is. Um, You know, it's a love that is willing to give all. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that I really just feel like it's just clarity in what the 
what what the responsibilities are, what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And culturally, marriage was very different from how it is now. Now people Mm -hmm. marry for love. Back then, that wasn't always the case. Right. You know, people weren't just, you know, there were no Hallmark that we know of. Mm. Hallmark (laughs) stories in the New Testament. (laughs) I mean, the fact that Joseph stayed with Mary, you know, showed a lot about his character. But a lot of times it was arranged, you know, between the families and whatnot. And love is more than a feeling. Love is a choice. And it's Mm -hmm. an action. Now, it can be a feeling, but that feeling can be fleeting. You know, you have those honeymoon vibes that wears off eventually, and you have to make the choice to stick it out even when you're not feeling very lovey-dovey. Paul can't command that feeling, but he can command that choice. That choice is one that a Christian makes, and I think Mm -hmm. he's speaking to the different nature of men and women. You know, men are not the typically speaking. I mean, my husband and I are the antithesis to the statement. (laughs) My husband's very cuddly. (laughs) I am not so cuddly. Um, But speaking to the different nature of men and women here, you know, men are not the, you know... Let's cuddle all night and talk about our feelings type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I said, that love is an action-based thing. It's it's a choice to put the other person's needs ahead of your own, sacrificially so. Because Christ died for the church to sanctify her, as it said, which is another word for making it holy. Um, you know, when we read in 1 Peter one fifteen, which we talked about that, I guess, either last episode or the episode before, and it talks about be holy for I am holy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we look at those passages, we see that we can't ever be holy without Christ's blood. But going back to that, uh, verse 25, with that sacrificial love, that's going to look differently for every man when they apply that to their own lives. But it always means providing for and protecting and mm-hmm. leading their family, whether that's a wife or a wife and children. That is what they are called to do. You know, Mm -hmm. we have our role, they have theirs. And I'm very thankful (laughs) that I have a provider and protector and leader in my family. Yeah. And I think just with, like, people, sometimes that's a personality thing, too. Like, I feel like there are some men, you know, in our community, in our world, that probably have those protector and provider uh, characteristics stronger than others. Yeah. So in some, t- you know, I have a husband that's like probably on the real far end of that, you know, <laughs> that's his job. That's what he does, you know, and, and to protect and provide for the community. So at home that may come a little easier than others, you know, other men that they have to really work at that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I went back to Adam and Eve again. I mean, since this is, to me, was the root of the problem. So their sin separated mankind from God, right? Genesis three twenty two through 24. Mm-hmm. The curse of enmity between the woman's offspring, or as New King James says, the seed, and the seed of the serpent was pronounced here. Jesus was willing to be sacrificed to the serpent, which is sin and death, in place of his bride, the church, to save her from death. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 20 on. Adam gave up his perfect life in the garden for sin. And Jesus gave up his perfect life in heaven for all sin. John three seventeen. Adam was the first man and was kicked out of the garden because of sin. And because of sin, Jesus, the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, brings us back into the garden through his sacrifice. 
So he is the only one, the only way, John 14, 6, that reconciles his bride, his church, to God and to heaven. So the first Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and denied access to the tree of life. Revelation 21 and 22 is the wedding of Christ and his most beautiful bride, the one who does not relinquish relinquish her submissiveness and has access to the tree of life. So it kind of sounds like, you know, verses 27 and 28 here. I went in a different direction. (laughs) Yeah, it's me this time. (laughs) When uh, I thought about some of the things that Jesus provides for the church and how I would parallel that i guess with the husband so like jesus he sanctifies the church he sets her apart for a special purpose you know men should do this with their wives you know your wife is set apart from everybody else she's someone that you regard as special she means more to you than any other woman will because the two of you have now become one um he cleanses jesus cleanses the church with the washing of the with the washing of water um, which happens through ba- baptism, Acts twenty two sixteen, Revelations 1, 5. Our husband can't cleanse us from sin, but he should help to guard us from filth and defilement, you know, lead the family spiritually, like one of you have already mentioned. I think uh, Stephanie said that. Um, husbands are to be those who provide protection and security for their wives. And just like, um, and just like men need respect and affirmation, you know, women need and want to be loved and to be shown that we are appreciated. Um, my my love language is acts of service. Like, that's how you can show me you appreciate me. Like, you see me struggling with this laundry? Please get a basket and help me fold. You know, if the dishes are piling up in the sink, please wash a dish, mop the floor, any little thing like that. Just it makes me happy because... You see that it needs to be done and you're not waiting on me to do it. You're willing to step up and do it for me. And so that says a lot to me. I I really do appreciate that. But also Jesus provided salvation for the church through his sacrifice. And the husband, if he's following Jesus as he ought to, will provide his wife with the same assurance that Jesus did for his church, which is I'm here for you. I support you and you don't have to walk alone. So that's the direction I went in, just kind of paralleling what Jesus did for the church, and then how do we parallel that to the husbands as well? So, yeah, good stuff. Any other comments on that? I I was just thinking, like, with verse 27, um, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without blemish. I kind of think of, you know, husbands should help us with those stumbling blocks, you know, And, Mm -hmm. and moving those out of the way so that we can shine and do what's right and not add to you know not be difficult for the sake of being difficult or Mm -hmm. you know those kinds of things not arguing for the sake of arguing you know to remove those stumbling blocks so that we can walk together so when I read 27 I kind of feel like it's kind of him going before guiding leading like we've talked about but also removing things from my way that could potentially be an issue for me you know I was thinking while you were talking um Adam and Eve were in the garden I'm back on Adam and Eve by the way (laughs) 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 Adam and Eve were in the garden and it was there was no direct command 
recorded at least that God told Eve, "You're in subjection to your husband. You're in submissive in submission to Adam." It wasn't until they sinned that he said, "He told Adam, well, now that you've listened to your wife,' and he told her, you know." you did this you led him to sin you're now going to be he's going to now rule over you so it was a mutual thing until she messed up mm-hmm. it seemed so it wasn't until then that a submissive role was introduced right. god didn't take away the partnership right yeah it's still there mm. he okay. just well defined who should be the leader right yeah i mean because obviously adam knew because he was there first. He was created first. He was put in that garden. And he was told, don't eat from this tree. And then Eve was created from him. So um, Adam probably should have, if we don't know if he did or not, told her, look, there's boundaries. We can't touch this. So maybe in that, not just putting Eve in submission, but saying, all right, Adam, you've got to lead the right way mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting with what you said d because as you were talking i was just thinking <laughs> <laughs> you know it's kind of one of those things where it's just um a natural instinct that we as humans understand right so like um and i can't e- oh goodness i can't even call the argument that it is that people will use to prove that god exists but basically if you guys know the argument call it but you know as as you know immediately like don't put your hand on the stove because that's hot you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. or you know um you just know like there's just something in you that that oh the more the moral argument right so you just know that killing is wrong like no matter what part of the world you 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 come from like everybody will view killing as wrong murder as wrong and different things like that and so i just thought about when you were speaking and how you said um, nothing came into play about submission until Eve had sinned, right? Like it was already, it was kind of already known that Eve would be in subjection to Adam or submit to Adam. Uh, I would say, yes, it's more than just doing what someone tells us to do. It isn't begrudgingly conceding saying, okay, well, you're in charge. It's an attitude that we have to have like, I love this person and I trust them. And so I'm going to do because I know that they have my best interests at heart. And even if we agree to disagree, there's respect there. But I think in our marriage, it looks like stepping aside and letting our husbands lead because God's given them that that authority. I should show my support for that authority. It's trusting their decisions. It is not undermining them and not nagging them into doing things the way that I want them to do it. And in the church, I'd say it's submission to leadership, but also submission to each other. If you read James five sixteen, it says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And Galatians 6, 1 says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And I think it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a package deal, but when you decide to become a Christian, when you sign up, so to speak, this is something that comes along with the territory. You Mm -hmm. are allowing your brothers and sisters in Christ because, I mean, hopefully that's what you want, is when someone sees you 
fall, they want to help you get back up. They're not just going to let you lay there with your face in the mud. They're going to say, come on, and they're going to point it out. Um, I was thinking the other day, Rissa was whispering during Wednesday Night Devotional. She was whispering, but it's like stage whispering. (laughs) Only she doesn't mean it that way. She's like, hey, hey. (laughs) I'm like, they can hear this halfway back, the auditorium. Um, And I think sin's like that. We think we're being really subtle. We think we're being quiet about it when we know we're doing it. But other people see it. You know, they see it. And my duty as a sister in Christ is to point that out and to allow others to point it out to me when I'm doing it. And then to examine myself and allow others to examine my fruits, you know, and I, I don't think, you know, we inherently think of that as submission, but it is, it's definitely submitting to others, allowing them to be a part of our lives where we are hu- um, humility, we are humble <laughs> and we allow them to, I hate to say it, but put us in our place, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the five walks, it's, it's love, unity, Purity, being wise to the Lord's will. I mean, it's all throughout this chapter. Uh, I think if we if we think of Christ and his bride and model that in our both our marriages and our relationship with our brothers and sisters, you know, we'll reach the goal of heaven. That's the goal to help each other get there. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we fail. I fail. Well, and that's what Mm -hmm. I was kind of sitting here thinking of, like, you know, in our marriage, you know, if I yield to my husband and a decision is made and we move forward and all of that and it crumbles and it just does not go the way we (laughs) planned. Because how many times does that happen, right? Like, (laughs) lots. Um, It just, that's life, you know, that's things come up or whatever. But it's not throwing it back at, you know, well, you made that choice. That's on you, bud. You Mm know, it's okay, well, how do we rectify it? How can we do, how can we make this situation better? You know, what can we do to get back on track? And, you know, it's similar to our Christian walk, you know, and whether it's ourselves or our brothers and sisters, you know, sometimes we make choices that we wholeheartedly believe were good ideas and then don't end up the way that they, we think they are. And so it's having that maturity to, recognize that you know if it causes us to sin we repent or you know just look out for those around us that we don't cause anyone else to stumble and and we try to step back in a different route to get back on track with what's the right thing to do and it's you just you look for the next right choice you know and you just try to make the next right decision Mm -hmm. one at a time yeah and like you said with your husband you know taking away the stumbling blocks you know, if we see one of our brothers and sisters stumbling, we have got to help them with that stumbling block. Get it out the way or show them, you know, how to get around it or whatever the case is. Because we've got people falling away. We've got people drifting. We've got people that have fallen away. What are we doing? I mean, yeah, they do have the choice. In the end, they do have the choice whether or not they want to be faithful to God. But it is there drifting, you know, a result of me not moving that stumbling block or not helping them with that or putting a stumbling block in front of them, right. not realizing or purposely or whatever the case is. You know, it's it all boils down to we keep all, every one of us have said respect, 
We've all, you know, and it's in the verse, you know, it's in 33. It's a, it's a matter of respect, you know, love, self-love, love for Christ, love for. And, and doing that also is a sign of love in that we're seeking their highest good. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people think of it as unloving in the culture today. That is countercultural. Yeah. I'm pointing this fault out because I love you. No, you yeah. just can't tolerate it. Like, yeah. You're intolerant. No, we do it because we want them. I mean, I, it's an unconditional love. Yeah. 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 I'm still going to love you. I mm-hmm. still love but, you. I want what's best for you. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to. I love my child. I'm not going to let them wander out in the street because it makes them happy. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I, you know, you guys were talking about the stumbling blocks and the church and. I thought the same thing, a lot of the same things, like a lot of times we see our brother and stumble, stumbling and to us, to some of us, because that's not our sin, that's not what we deal with, we kind of think, how could you fall into something like that? Like, how could you, I mean, that that that's just dumb. Why would you even do that? Or, you know, or I told you not to do that. You know, that's not what you do. You don't ever want to belittle, belittle your husband. You never want to belittle your brother. And the whole point of marriage and our brother is to encourage each other and I just thought about too about how our society mocks the role of the man and sometimes I know that I can I'll speak for myself I know that I can fall into this to this trap um so we'll say things like happy wife happy life or she's the boss or um some men would not know what to do or how to think or to get dressed without their wives and while those statements may sound funny and cute they are unbiblical and they can hurt our husband something serious. You know, they could start to um, believe those quote unquote jokes and start questioning who they are and if they are a real man who can properly care and provide uh, for their family as God has commanded him to in First Timothy 5, 8. So, you know, I just and the same is true. We're, I was speaking specifically about marriage, but the same is true with our brethren as well if we make fun of them if we belittle them if we don't encourage them if we don't help to remove those stumbling blocks then they can fall away and they can really start to think to themselves like man am i the christian that god has called me to be am i doing 100 percent? is god pleased with me or they can also feel like i can't ever do anything right and my brethren throughout the church who are initially supposed to be there to encourage me are now judging me you know, and ultimately nobody wants to be around anybody who feels like somebody is consistently judging them and watching their every move. You know, you that's that's not what this is about. So. So, yeah, I have a little note in my Bible back to Ephesians four twenty five. you know, putting away lying. Um, let each one of you speak with truth with his neighbor. for We are members of one another. And my little note says it applies to your spouse, too, you yeah. know, in the way you talk about them when they're not there and. I don't know. I've always looked at the book of Ephesians as like a nice, neat, organized binder with these little tabs. And you just flip to how do I be an imitator of God? Next chapter (laughs) is how to be a good wife. Next chapter is about my children. And it's like all the guidebook for a new Christian, like all the rich stuff that's just in a couple pages. It's really it's. Yeah. Um, So what does it mean to be one flesh in marriage? Well, do you want to handle it first i'm going there i'm going there so um it has more than one it's more than just a sexual union it's a physical and spiritual union and Mm -hmm. i would say that it really means that there's no separation or distinction between those two people in god's eyes once they're unified you know you look at first corinthians 7 1 through 6 and it talks about our bodies belonging to each other 
And we talked about this in the last episode that our sexuality belongs to God and to our spouse. But God created that sexual union and it is the most intimate bond that we can experience. And when you think about it, children are literally a one flesh result of two different people. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but I didn't think about it I, that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, something Jess said in the last question made me think about the response I'd written down for this. And, you know, it's not me saying like, that's not my problem anymore. It's no, it is my problem because it's his mm-hmm. problem. So it's our problem. Mm-hmm. His battles are mine and my battles are his because they're ours. And while we remain individuals and our roles are distinct as God has set them, we are one unit and we have to function that way. Um, Dee said earlier, God created us sexually and emotionally, mentally, spiritually to be complementary in the, you know, the way that we compliment each other. Not like, I love you, you're beautiful, Mm -hmm. compliment. But you know what I mean? Like a perfect pair. Fit, Yes, a perfect fit, so to speak. Um, And I think that all of that combines into what one flesh means. Um, (laughs) When it talks about leaving your mother and father, I think it's, a point in your life in which you step out from, you know, as parents, we guard our children, right? And I think it's stepping out from behind that shield that our parents have provided for years and years of our life. And we're stepping into this relationship with someone else and having to build our own guards and having to navigate waters together as one flesh without the protection of our parents. And I think that's kind of the visual that I get when I read verse 31. You know, we're stepping away from what we know and we're trying to create a new home and relationship and environment to grow together. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a loss of one identity, but you gain a whole new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll go on to the to the next question then. So what does this passage teach us about our role as a church? And how does this passage show what God thinks of marriage? D? Well, verse 32, Paul says that this is a great mystery, like the King James or profound in ESV. Mm-hmm. Why? You know, he's quoting Genesis 2, 24, right? Adam and Eve, right? (laughs) So hang with me. God put Adam to sleep, took his bone, and created his wife Eve, which means the mother of all living things, right? Genesis Mm -hmm. Mm 3.20. God puts the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, to sleep, death, took his blood, and created his wife, the church, the mother of all living So God prioritizes marriage above all other unions because he is directly involved in one. We talked in the previous episode that fornication is mentioned in every book of the Bible as a sin most recognized and how it can destroy a marriage. Mark 10, 9, Jesus says, therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. He was teaching on divorce and adultery in this passage, but it applies here. Our role as his church should be one of submission because 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. Marriage, our marriages and the church should imitate his. 
I like it. And I, I kind of had thought, you know, a great mystery. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. It's a mystery. And so when I think about that, I think sometimes we don't fully comprehend until we've walked through there. Mm-hmm. Until we've really put it on and seen the good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever. And so when I think of it, this is a great mystery, you know, we can read about it, we can study about it, we can pray about it, but until you walk through it, you don't fully comprehend it. Mm-hmm. You don't fully get it. Until you read about becoming a Christian, you read about the church, you study about it, you pray about it, until you make the steps and you do what you have to do to become a Christian, you don't truly understand and comprehend to the full depth, I feel like. So whether we're talking about being a Christian or whether we're talking about being a wife, I think that's kind of the mystery. You you have to put it on and you have to be fully involved in the day-to-day action of it to comprehend it. Yeah, Paul called it a mystery in what, I think chapter three maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, chapter three. And he calls, you know, be the gospel a mystery. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Stephanie? Um, they mostly have covered it. The only thing I would add is that, you know, as a bride of Christ, we have to learn to um, trust Christ to lead us. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, we receive so much more than we deserve, you know, with that perfect sacrifice that he gave. And you think about what you bring to a, your union when you're married. All of us here are married, you know, and I feel like in my own marriage, I get so much more than I give. Like no matter how much I give, I feel like my husband always outgives me. <laughs> and Jesus is the same. He's always outgiving us. And it's just, I don't know, it's a great blessing. Yep. Yeah. And I think God, because of that, you asked what God thinks of marriage. I think the fact that he modeled the church after that union says a lot about that. Um, and I think that it shows in this passage particularly that he doesn't play favorites in marriage because he doesn't show preference to one role over the other. He doesn't mm-hmm. think wives are more important than husbands or husbands more important than wives. He, he values all roles and he feels the same way about the church. Yeah. Yeah. So in verse 33, I was kind of, as I was reading through it a few weeks ago, um, thinking about what if, what about that marriage where the husband's not leading? What about the marriage where, you know, maybe they're not removing the stumbling box or not loving their wife in the way that they should? And, you know, this chapter still ends with, regardless, nevertheless, Mm-hmm. let the wife see that she respects her husband. And I think that that's important. And that's period, the end, you know, on, on that verse and that chapter that at the end of the day, there, is, there still has to be respect, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously if, if the husband is leading the wife to sin, you know, and that sort of thing, she still has to protect herself and her soul and her heart. But at the end of the day, there is still respect, yeah. I thought about husband and wife, like these these two beings come together to become one. We function together. And um, obviously we're not gods, but I thought about it as far as the Godhead too. You have these three different entities that all do different things. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're three separate beings, but yet they're all one. 
And so I thought about marriage in the same way. You know, in this case, it's two individuals, but we're one. And so when we when we model the example that God has left for us, the world will marvel and God will be glorified. And ultimately, that is what we as Christians are responsible for doing to allow the glory of God to be seen through us so that we can win others over to have a chance at eternal life and also to try and restore those who have been been lost. And it's it's amazing to think that how could my marriage possibly win somebody over for the cause of Christ or how could my, my marriage possibly restore a soul? But God says when you model marriage correctly, when you follow the example that I've left for that I've left for you, all of that is very possible. And also remember too that it's not us doing anything. It's God doing everything. All right. So you guys, that brings us to our last and favorite question. Where do you see the love of Christ? D or uh D, you want to start? Where do you see the love of Christ? <laughs> I see it in verses 25 through 27. He gave himself for his wife, whom he sees as most beautiful, to save her from the serpent of sin and death. He is wholeheartedly and lovingly leading her to live with him forever in his beautifully perfect home. Well, I see it in the way that he set up the marriage. (laughs) I just, I don't know. There's just something about it that makes me kind of giggly. I just, I do, I do love it. I love it though. How he made it so that it's, like Jess said, it's clearly defined, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, when things, there's something satisfying when things work together the way they're supposed to. Like when you take things apart and then you put them back together and you turn it on and it's like, is it going to work? Oh, it works. You know, it's so exciting. (laughs) And I feel that way about, you know, marriage. I think God has a certain pattern that he set for us. And when done correctly, like we discussed earlier, it's a very beautiful and wonderful thing to look at. Agreed. So mine was similar. I have to bring in personal thoughts, I guess. So, you know, I have a husband in law enforcement who every day goes to work to protect and serve at all costs our community, right? And so when he comes home, the uniform comes off, the badge comes off, the bulletproof vest, it comes off. But yet the way God has designed marriage, as Stephanie said, he is willing to love me in such a way that he would give all of it, you know, without all of the protection, without all of the the gear and everything that he carries on a daily basis, he would give it all, you know, for me. And that's the way that God, you know, has designed marriage in replicating the church, you know, to get rid of all of the protection, all the gear, all, all, all of everything and willing to give it up for me. You know, Hmm. I like that. I do too. Yeah. So I see it in submitting to my own husband. I say that because, well, number one, Hiram and I did not grow up in the church. Um, We both came from single parent homes. So right off the bat, marriage wasn't, we didn't have a model of marriage like that. Right. So then we become Christians, we decide to get married, and 
still being a babe in Christ, I'm very young and young and naive at the time. So I'm thinking, oh, yeah, sure. No big deal. I'll marry you. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're just permanent boyfriend and girlfriend. Right. <laughs> but now I have your I have your last name. Right. No, that is not what it is. And I will not lie. I had the hardest time submitting in the beginning of our marriage because I just like I said, I didn't have the model of marriage set before me. And so I really did see it as you want me to submit to you. You want me to do what you want me to do when you want me to do it. And Brittany's not okay with that. Like I wouldn't do my own thing. So fast forward growing more and especially doing this study, but having proper marriages set before me and models to follow, I understand more of submission. And like when I submit to my husband, I submit to the Lord and I'm telling God, I trust you and I will follow you no matter what. Like you've taken care of me. You've brought me this far. I'm going to follow you. And I'm thankful that I have, I have a husband that number one, I have to submit to, but number two, like we stated earlier, it's a choice I am willing and choosing to submit to because of how he leads his family so it does make things make submission a little easier sometimes <laughs> but you know i just i just see it in that submission like i want to submit to my husband because i see how he is leading his family and i feel a lot like you sometimes stephanie like i feel like in marriage i get way more than i give sometimes and i do feel like i'm giving my all but even then i feel like this man always one up in me but <laughs> I think that's okay because he's one upping me because of how much he loves me and how he cares for me. And I think the same is true for God. Like whenever you think, man, life's got you down or, or whatever the situation, you know, you surrender everything, you submit to God and God time and time again puts a blessing in front of you and says, look, don't stress, don't trip. I got you. And you always end up, um, getting something better than what you asked for or things tend to go better than what you originally thought they were. And that's all, that all happens when you willingly submit. Good. All right. Any other thoughts or comments, questions? No. That, that does bring us to the end of another great episode. First, we want to thank Jessica for joining us today. Thank yeah, you, thank Jess. Thank you for having Thanks me. Thanks for joining us, Jess. Of course. Did you enjoy it? I did. Thanks. Well, good. I'm glad you did. Prayerfully, she'll be back to join us again at some point. And as always, we want to thank our listeners for joining us today as well. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that it was helpful and beneficial to you in some way and you enjoyed sharing some laughs with us. We pray and hope that you will strive every day to know the love of Christ in all that you do. And until next time, bye. Bye. We are so grateful you continue to join us. If you have been enjoying this study of Ephesians and would like to make it available to more of your family and friends or to anyone you think would love to study Ephesians too, please click like, love, or even share it. And in doing so, you will help spread the love of Christ. Thank you.